The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops with you. Thanks for being with us on your Tuesday afternoon. Guest in studio with us, Thomas Dunstan. No stranger to our airwaves. He is a board op for our sports broadcast. We'll have him on tonight for our coverage of Westwood Patriot girls basketball against Iron Mountain. Always good seeing you, my man. Good to have you here. Thanks for having me, Tanner. You know... Uh, like you mentioned, doing board up, it's always nice to get on the other side of the microphone, get to voice my opinion sometimes. So, uh, you know, going to make the best of it while I'm here. So, th- once again, thanks for having me. Well, that's why we have you is because you have opinions. Because you've got these good hot takes that we need the world to hear. Oh, all the time. It's a few days after the Super Bowl. It doesn't feel like it, but we're kind of obligated to put the finishing touches on this thing. 13-3, to the Patriots win, which is going to be their record at the end of the next regular season as well. They looked amazing defensively, and Brian Flores, what a 24-hour cycle it was for him yesterday, puts on a defensive masterpiece, and then he has a new job as he's down in Miami. Are you an offensive guy too? I mean, I appreciate defense. I'm glad it's still part of the game, but that was a little too much for my liking. Yeah, uh, both teams defensively was, you know, one of the only bright spots of the entire game. It was a, a defensive game for both teams. Uh, like like everyone's been repeating constantly, Patriots are really a second-half team. It took them until the fourth to start opening things up, but that entire way through, you know, 3-3 three three at the end of the third quarter was uh, nothing too much to write home about. In, uh, in Especially, you know, the last game of the season, the big one. Uh, I would like to see some longer passes, some mm-hmm. amazing catches, you know. The, the things you expect out of a Super Bowl. This one, you know... Not uh, not too stunning in terms of offensive performance either way, honestly. You knew it was bad when Romo's losing his mind over a punt that might set a Super Bowl record. Was it just me or was Romo being very conservative, very watered down on Super Bowl Sunday? It's almost like the league told him, don't predict plays before they happen. I, I mean, I feel like it. Uh, it... Uh, there wasn't a whole lot to predict, honestly, though. You know, he he was just being held back by what he saw, I think. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, you know, there was no sort of bright spots at all through most of the entire game. Then, of course, Tom Brady does what, you know, Tom Brady does. Jared Goff did not look, you know, strong at all in this game. Uh, and, I mean, Tom Brady also starting slow, mm-hmm. so... You know, he, Tony Romo's got so much experience as a football guy. You know, been in the was in the league for so long, and uh, he. I'm sure that was as painful for him to watch as it was for the rest of us. Book this or not, Jared Goff, the Rams need to move on from him, and uh, they need to do it sooner or later. I I definitely agree with that. Um, you know, there's there's a couple of underdog stories every year. Uh, you know, last year was Nick Foles coming mm-hmm. out strong in the Super Bowl. Jared Goff, you know, he's still young, uh, still developing, but if the Rams are looking to be a consistent playoff team and make these Super Bowl pushes, then they're going to have to get uh, a different option at quarterback, I feel like. Um, it, he's in a tough position. You know, he played well all season, but, you know, come playoffs, it's a completely different animal, uh, and it, it just didn't work out for them. I had somebody tell me, you're going to give up on golf after one bad game. I'm like, it wasn't one bad game. His weapons around him make him look a lot better than he actually is. I don't believe in Jared Goff. I really don't. I had somebody else say, because my solution would be, Nick Foles just got franchise tagged. Would you look at bringing him in? It, it would have to be two separate trades, but that's what I would like to see them do. Someone brought up to me when I said that, Nick Foles used to play for the Rams and he sucked. 
Well, that was when Jeff Fisher was the head coach. Everybody sucked under Jeff Fisher, including Jared Goff. Right. It's it's almost like when you're looking at uh, the NBA per se. You know, there there's role players, and you can't have a role player quarterback. Uh, he's he, I wouldn't say he's getting carried, but he's getting a lot of favors done for him by the rest of his team, and. You know, it, he's no Tom Brady or, you know, even Aaron Rodgers. Uh, he's he's not that all-star quarterback. Uh, so, you know, moving him, getting a bit more of a consistent quarterback could definitely be a, a huge step up for the Rams. It's what I'd like to see them do. They need to sell high with Jared Goff with what they have right now because they went all in this season. They have guys on expiring contracts, especially on defense. So invest in your offense. That's McVay's strength. Your defense, all about to leave you. You're not going to be able to bring back all those guys one year from now, two years from now. So for the Rams, they need something to clear up a little cap space. Unloading Jared Goff and getting something back for him in return, because you know this is about as high as the stock is going to get, would be the best option in my mind. But I'm not staying cranky. I I mean I would definitely have to agree with that. Um, like you said, while he has trade value, is the time that they have to move him, and that's right now. You don't want to wait till next season, uh, because you know he did come out flat in that Super Bowl game. If he starts off next season coming out flat as well, assuming they don't move him, then you know his trade value is just going to plummet, and then they're going to find themselves in even a worse spot than they are right now, and nobody wants that. The ratings came out, and it was the lowest watched Super Bowl in recent history, not just in New Orleans, but across the country. I almost wish that they didn't have that no call because I would have liked to seen Drew Brees in the Super Bowl lighting it up with Tom Brady because, you know, credit Brian Flores. He had a great defensive game plan and they executed it very well. They might have had a great game plan against Drew Brees, but they wouldn't have held him to three points. I I like defense. I'm not somebody who is a low IQ fan that just wants to be entertained and whines about being bored. But when it's the Super Bowl and I'm learning the names of both punters, that's when you know something's wrong. Yeah, when you're seeing, when you're expecting uh, pushes to end in a punt, then you know something's definitely wrong there. And I mean, I personally, you know, as I will repeat a million times in my entire life, I'm more of a basketball person than football. I don't tune in to a whole ton of games. You know, I'll, I'll watch games with family and friends, but. The one game I make sure to sit down and watch every year is the Super Bowl, and this one definitely was not a memorable Super Bowl to watch. I wish I would have picked a different game, you know, (laughs) honestly, to sit down and watch. But, uh, yeah, I mean, it is what it is. It was more or less just an expensive Maroon 5 ticket for so many people who went and saw it live, honestly. And they weren't even very good. I was impressed with the halftime show either. There was the the whole deal about playing uh, the sweet victory from SpongeBob. And that was song the worst half. part. They they completely baited everyone who was looking forward to seeing that happen. You know, played a clip of it and then went straight into Travis Scott sicko mode. Which you know, there's definitely fans of them and mm-hmm. you know Maroon Five as well. And uh, you know, <laughs> the halftime show all around was a fitting one for this Super Bowl, I'd say. Teasing us that way by putting SpongeBob up there and making it seem like they're gonna play Sweet Victory. That was the worst part. Like, either commit to it or not, 
But that's that's what triggered me probably more than anything. Thankfully, the Dallas Stars mm. at uh, their very next home game played that whole thing for the fans there. So, you know, a lot of my friends and people I've been seeing online talking about it, they're saying, hey, maybe we're hockey fans now. <laughs> Which, you know, if you're not a hockey fan, I definitely recommend it. I enjoy watching all sports, but uh, hockey's one of my top three, I'd definitely say. We've got a hockey player that's going to be joining us on the show later. That's Joe DiMattia. He is the captain of the Bantam AA team. They're getting ready for states. He's going to come on the show later. Hockey is one of those underrated sports. I didn't have enough of that in Iowa, so I'm so glad to be able to come up here and be more immersed with it because it's my favorite. Oh, yeah. You are definitely in the right place for it. You know, it's a hockey. Upper Michigan's a hockey state, downstate. We, I don't know. When the Red Wings are good, it's a Yeah, when, when the Red Wings are good, uh, they're, uh, they're big hockey fans, but it's an all-year-round all round thing for uh, the Youpers. Last thing before we go to break, because we're going to talk about basketball for most of this show, so I just want to throw in baseball before we do so. Manny Machado and Bryce Harper still don't have new homes. The latest report says up to eight teams are interested in Harper, some of them on a short-term deal. I know Machado wants something long-term. No one's going to be offering him eight years or something like that, whatever it is that he wants. It's looking more and more realistic that a guy of that caliber, of Manny Machado's caliber, could be signed to a one-year deal because pitchers and catchers report a week from today. I mean, at some point, you've got to find a team. Yeah. I mean... There's no time like the present right now. Like you said, the deadline's coming up. They definitely need to uh, find some plays. And, you know, with two big names like that, I'm surprised it's only eight teams looking at, you know, Bryce Harper, obviously. Uh, I, I, there's a lot of buzz, you know. It's, it could come down to, like you said, just that one-year contract for Machado. Uh, because, you know, he could be looking for something long. There's... With a name like that, you know, there's many teams that I'm sure would sign them for long contracts, but there's not a lot of time to decide uh, and, you know, deliberate a, about a contract. So, you know, it, it's got it. It's coming soon. We'll just see where they end up. For the record, I might consider giving Harper eight years. Not Machado, though. I, I can honestly see it going either way. Yeah. I mean, Bryce Harper has, you know... Just these gilded edges around all, uh, around his resume. Just been an absolute powerhouse in the league, but it, it can go either way. You know, baseball is sort of always up in the air. There's so many roster changes, so many games to be played. You know, it's it's just constantly a moving thing. It's it gets hard to keep up with, honestly. Uh, but you know, I'm I'm not too big of a baseball person, but uh, you know, Bryce Harper is basically a household name. Manny Machado as well, so. Wherever they go, I'm sure they're going to find a good home and a good following, so they shouldn't worry at all. Thomas Dunstan's in the studio with us. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, the Red Sox and the Patriots are world champions. Could the city of Boston sweep all four major sports titles in one year? We'll tell you how they could next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Thomas Dunstan with you. Thanks for hanging out with us. Tuesday afternoon, still a little nippy out, but it feels pretty nice compared to what we had the other day. The Red Sox and the Patriots, already world champions in the past year. Could the city of Boston take all four major sports titles in one year. What moves do the Celtics and the Bruins need to make in order to make that happen? 
I'm not a huge Boston guy. Never been there. I like the Celtics, though, so I would be okay with seeing them win a championship. But it is realistic that the city of Boston could have a potential, albeit outside shot, at taking all four major titles this year. I mean, I don't know that their current teams would be able to do it. They're going to have to upgrade, make some moves. But it's still in the realm of possibility, as crazy as it is. I'm going to say... Uh, the Bruins have a better chance of winning their respective title than the Celtics. Do you really? Bruins, you know, middle of their uh, conference, um, you know, it's a pretty tight race. The Lightning are out ahead, but, you know, for that, uh, the two through four spot, Bruins are right in there. Um, but the Celtics, I don't see them making it out of the East. Uh, you know, it's... It's not like they're going to run into LeBron, and if they get through him, they're going to make it uh, to the e- or through the ECF. Um, LeBron's gone to the West. Toronto is a powerhouse. The Bucks are a powerhouse. Philly's just as consistent as you know Boston is. Maybe I don't know if they're. I could consider them better, but I feel like Celtics have a lot more speed bumps to go through this year than they did, you know, last year or the year before. Um, in terms of moving for the Celtics. The two names, I 100% think they need to move if they want a shot at any sort of conference or, you know, finals title, Gordon Hayward and Terry Rozier. Mm -hmm. Gordon Hayward, you know, was a great trade. Mm -hmm. He got injured. It happens. But he... He's come back strong in terms of strength, but there, you know, there's just some sort of mental block there, which, you know... When you have that horrific of an injury, it's tough to come back from that in, in terms of from a mental standpoint, too. And he just has not been performing this year. Uh, nothing against him as a player. He was a great player. Came back from injury. He's still, you know, s- somewhat consistent, but it uh, he's not in the Celtics' future. I just see them needing to move Hayward and Terry Rozier, and uh, that's going to be their best shot at any sort of finals. Do you think that'll happen before the end of this season? I I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Um, Hayward's trade value has, I'm assuming, just absolutely tanked. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, Ro- Rozier's a good guard. He's in a slump compared to what he was doing last year. You know, absolute killer last year. This year, you know, six men, you know, getting some starts. He's uh, Celtics are in a bit of a tough spot. You know, mm-hmm. Kyrie's, Kyrie's really good. There's the whole trade drama with him, which we'll get into as well. Shocker that the Celtics have even more drama. But uh, it's going to be tough for them. I don't see them moving him this year or making any sort of big trades till the summer with the whole Anthony Davis thing being up in the air. Uh, what are your thoughts on the Celtics? Well, I'll say this. I don't think either the Celtics or Bruins will win their respective championships this year. But I still think the Celtics have a better shot than the Bruins just because... Celtics have all the pieces to be a championship team right now. For whatever reason, they're not able to get by some block. I don't know if it's mental. I don't know if it's chemistry within the locker room. But for whatever reason, they're not playing up to the level of talent they have on their roster. But I believe it's still all there. And they're starting to figure it out, it seems like. They're up to third place. They have Cleveland tonight. There's still a chance for the Celtics to make a run in the East. I don't know that they're going to catch Toronto or Milwaukee. The three seed is probably as good as they're going to get. But if they get hot at the right time, they've got all the pieces to be good. Whereas the Bruins, I still think they need to make a few moves if they want to make a serious run into spring. And the biggest piece that they could bring in would be 
or Demi Panarin. If they get the bread man and they bring him in, what I would love to have happen is they put him on the same line with David Pasternak, so you have the bread man and pasta playing on the same line. There's a lot you could do with that if you did that, but that first and foremost needs to happen if Boston is going to have a real chance at winning the Stanley Cup this year. I've been a big fan of Panarin since his days on the Blackhawks. I really, really enjoyed uh, just watching him out there, you know, working with players like Patrick Kane and Jonathan Taves and... You know, with the Blue Jackets now, he's been doing well. Uh, Bruins absolutely do need to make moves. The The thing they have going for them in terms of winning a title over, say, the Celtics, is hockey is just such an unpredictable sport. You know, when you're not, you know, having like 100 points to 90 points in a game, when when it's a, you know, 1-0 to zero game can decide a series, that's, that's where their biggest hope comes in. Um, you know, getting Panarin in, he absolute outstanding player, but uh, I I would say it's a toss up. It's it's really close between the Celtics and the Bruins who could take uh, a major title. Uh, either way, both teams need to make some moves. Uh, you know, it's hard to say whether that'll get done this season or when that'll get done if it ever does. Uh, but yeah, I mean, arguments can be made both ways. Uh, both teams, you know, really starting to get some steam under them. Uh, Bruins coming off a win just recently. Uh, you know, in terms of difficulty of schedule, it they're sort of in the same boat with the Celtics. They they don't have too much, uh, too many tough games coming up, so they can improve that record. I I believe they're only one game behind. Uh, I can't remember who's directly ahead of them, but they're only one game behind. So you know, can move up within their conference and uh, or within their division and. You know, I I don't see Boston sweeping major sports. Um, Celtics, if they, which I highly doubt they'll move anyone major this season, but if they do, they could have a real chance with the pieces they do have, like you mentioned. Uh, Al Horford, big fan. Of, he's probably my favorite Celtic. Mm. Uh, just so consistent, such a great player for so long. Kyrie's always exciting to watch, but, uh, you know, I feel like Al Horford's the unsung hero of the Celtics, so... You know, he gets a couple more pieces. You have Kyrie as, you know, just an outstanding point guard. Maybe has a case for being best in the East. Celtics got a lot of good pieces. Bruins, you know, like you said, getting Panarin would add another great piece to them. And uh, it's, I'd say, 30-70 chance of uh, Boston sweeping major sports. Maybe even less. Maybe maybe 20-80. We'll see. Yeah, probably a little bit less. I have been losing sleep as a Celtics fan over the last few weeks because I don't know what to think about the Kyrie Irving situation. I like Kyrie. I like him a lot. You know, he's the best player in my favorite team. I have his jersey and everything, you know. That was a fantastic trade for him to come in, and I hate the thought of him leaving. It gives me a little comfort thinking when, even though he was out last year, the team still went on the run that they did. But then I see a game like Sunday where he shows why he might be the best finisher in the NBA, and it makes me think, please don't leave Kyrie. Is he going to be a Celtic next year? Yeah. Think I so? I don't see him leaving. Uh, you know, there's, there's the whole question about things he said, he said in an interview, and honestly, Kyrie does not have exactly the, uh, the greatest interview quotes, uh, you know, with the whole, <laughs> whole Earth is flat deal mm-hmm. uh, last year. Um you know, I think, you know, saying he doesn't know anything to anybody, uh, that people are taking that too literally. Um, 
if Kyrie wants to win, he'll stay with the Celtics. Because they have something really special that they're building there, especially if they can land Anthony Davis, which also has been driving me crazy. Anthony Davis reportedly going to be on the trade block if he's not already. You've got his dad starting to get a little more involved in the picture. His dad and LeVar Ball are becoming vocal at the same time, and I've got a lot to say on LeVar Ball in the next segment. But Anthony Davis Sr., says that he doesn't want his son to play for Boston because he felt that they were disloyal to Isaiah Thomas. I loved IT when he played for Boston, but trading him to Cleveland, that was a great move. I thought it was a good trade on both sides. Clearly, Boston won that in hindsight. Yeah, I mean, it it just didn't end up working out due to injury. That's Mm -hmm. that's about it. It was was an absolutely good, fair trade. Uh, You know, the whole loyalty thing, you can make arguments both ways. But, you know, at the end of the day, it's about winning as a team. And uh, actually, I don't know if I can say that as I was a huge DeRozan fan and then Toronto just went and tossed him over to... Tossed him to the Spurs. That one hurt a little bit, but... uh, you know, I've moved on since then. You know, I still enjoy him as a player, but uh, when it comes down to it, you know, owning a team is a business. You need to do what's best for your team, and, you know, that whole trade with IT, the the loyalty thing is, you know, just a secondhand thing when it comes down to it, I feel like. The, the whole argument that Boston was disloyal to IT in terms of Anthony Davis not going there, I feel like that's... That's just something that needs to be tossed out. I I don't feel like that's a valid opinion or valid reason why that he shouldn't go there if he wants to win as a basketball player. We have the trade deadline coming up here later this week. Three days from now, will Anthony Davis be wearing a Laker uniform? No. No. I don't believe... I feel like at this point the Lakers are the one that need to walk away from this. Mm -hmm. With how much the Pelicans are demanding, just players on top of players, and now they're asking for a ridiculous amount of draft picks... They just for the own good of their team, they need to walk away. You know, you don't want to gut your entire team to pick up one superstar because you know what happens when you know he's playing. He has to play thirty, thirty-five minutes a game to make up for the lack of bench, and he just gets completely burnt out. You know, don't gut your team just to pick bring in one big name. Uh, I feel like the Lakers are pushing too far here and allowing themselves to be pushed too far with how much they're offering. Thomas Dunstan in the studio with us. We owe you a timeout. When we come back, you'll hear an interview with Joe DiMattia, the captain of the local American Legion Bantam AA hockey team. Plus, we'll get Thomas's thoughts on the Lakers trade situation. Dive a little bit deeper into it when we come back in the sports pen on ESPN-UP. Record-setting Wildcat, official coach communication, and level playing field. It's all next on This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. Hi again, everyone. I'm John Johnson, and welcome to This Week in High School Sports. By the time you hear this, Alpino boys basketball forward Chris DeRocher will likely have eclipsed the 1,500-point mark in his four-year career for the Wildcats. The 6'5 senior recently broke the 47-year-old school record for career scoring of 1,435 points by Butch Faher, and with his 24-point-per-game average this year, he'll likely push the bar higher by season's end, and it's been a learning experience along the way. I think I've just learned not to force every shot. I've tried to get more people involved because I've learned that if I get my teammates more involved, it's going to draw people away from me and I can get easier points. And 
The Wildcats start the week at 12-2 and, and are in a three-way battle with Traverse City Central and Petoskey for the top spot in the Big North Conference. You can read more about Chris DeRocher in Alpena basketball on the second half page of the MHSAA website. Our MHSAA TV game balls this week go out to Molly Davis at Midland Dow, who scored 29 points Friday to lead the Chargers to a 52-48 upset of top-ranked and defending Class A girls basketball champion Saginaw Heritage. And Caleb Bates scored 33 points as St. Clair Shores Lakeshore clinched the Macomb Area Conference Blue Division title on Sunday with an 87-68 boys basketball victory over Utica. You can watch both of those games for free right now on MHSAA TV. Back with more in a moment, you're listening to This Week in High School Sports. Do you need money for college? Michigan Student Aid is Michigan's go-to resource for student financial aid. They administer scholarships, grants, college savings programs, and other resources that help make college accessible, affordable, and achievable for you. See how they can help you today by visiting michigan.gov slash mystudentaid and connect with Michigan Student Aid on Facebook, Twitter, Snapchat, and Instagram. Our weekly Be the Referee feature takes a look into the fine art of officiating with Sam Davis. One sport that works hard to build bridges between coaches and officials is basketball. For over 15 years, the Basketball Coaches Association of Michigan has worked with the MHSAA, the Michigan Interscholastic Athletic Administrators Association, and local high school officials associations across the state in a joint effort called the Basketball Officials and Coaches Communication Committee. In short, this committee stresses sportsmanship, professionalism, and communication on all other basketball topics in an effort to promote better understanding of each other's roles and the game itself. The end goal is for all parties to create the best possible environment for our kids in which to play basketball. Thanks, Sam. You can be a referee. Go to the MHSA website now to register. In the movie Hoosiers, Coach Norman Dale elects to finish a game with four players on the floor. Even though he had a fifth player available, he chose to put his team at a disadvantage to make a point. Recently, in a boys basketball game in Northwest Michigan, a small school coach wanted to finish a game with four players on the floor so that the other team would not be at a disadvantage, but he had to get creative to make his point. Buckley, a state finalist in Class D the past two years, came into the game with a depleted roster, just seven players, taking on a Frankfurt team that's among the best in the state this year in Division Four. An injury and two players fouling out later took the Bears down to four players in an already lopsided game. Now, national playing rules wouldn't let Frankfurt coach Dave Jackson do what Norman Dale did. He had to have five players on the floor. So he took one of his five and had him stand in front of the team bench on the sidelines and watch. He created a level playing field, four on four, something some coaches would probably never think of doing. But Jackson, like Dale, saw a chance to teach something. For Dale, it was discipline. For Jackson, it was sportsmanship, respect for your opponent, and fair play. Why run up the score and pad your stats? It was a character moment, and Jackson showed us why educational athletics are indeed educational. You've been listening to This Week in High School Sports, powered by Michigan Student Aid, a production of the MHSCA Network. Thanks for joining us, everyone. I'm John Johnson. We'll see you next time. 
The sports panel on ESPN-UP, Danner Hoops with you. We're joined by Joe DiMatti, a captain of the local American Legion Bantam AA hockey team. Joe, appreciate you taking the time being here. You've got an event coming up to raise awareness for the spaghetti fundraiser. Tell us a little about that. Uh, it's a spaghetti dinner at the American Legion. It's uh, some money for the American Legion hockey team. we got states coming up soon. We need some extra money to get on the road. Joe, tell me about the time, the cost, what have you. What are we looking at for Friday night? It's $8 a ticket, Friday, February 8th, and it's from 4 to 8 p.m. So a spaghetti dinner coming up Friday, but you've got a lot more than just spaghetti. Tell me about some of the events that will be taking place within the evening. we got 50-50 raffle tickets. You get there's prizes. I think it's, a, it's an Ashley recliner and a 49-inch smart TV. Hey, about your season, how's uh, everything going as you gear up for states? Oh, it's really good. We're 43-2-2, two and two, just one districts. So not bad. Yeah, not bad. <laughs> we work for it. Well, tell me about uh, the state level and uh, looking forward to that, where it's going to be, when is it, what have you. It's in Port Huron. Hmm. Uh, it's good competition. There's going to be some good teams down there, but I think we're going to make some noise. So Friday night at the American Legion, 4 to 8, and $8 a ticket. Just yeah. to recap, all right. Joe DiMattia is the captain of the local American Legion Bantam AA hockey team. Go and support their fundraiser this Friday night at the American Legion. Joe, thanks for stopping in. Appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. Thanks for having me. More after this on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Tanner Hoops, Thomas Dunstan with you. Here is your Sports Center update. LeVar Ball says that he wants Lonzo to be a Laker, but that if he is traded, he wants him to play for Phoenix rather than New Orleans and that he will, quote, speak it into existence. College hockey, the nation's longest non-conference losing streak, came to an end last night as Boston College topped Harvard 2-1 in the Beanpot semifinals. BC had previously lost 25 consecutive out-of-conference games. Their last non-con win, November 13, 2016, 813 days ago. And finally, Kobe Bryant says that the Rockets are not capable of winning a title as long as they are oriented around one player while their offense revolves around one player. I'm not saying Kobe's wrong, but how ironic is that? Yeah, I'm saying he's been through the exact same thing that James Harden is doing right now, and, you know, he's speaking from exact first-hand experience, and I'd have to agree with him. I don't I don't think they just, uh, I don't think they have the makings to, uh, you know, push the Warriors and uh, get that playoff victory if if they meet up in playoffs. I just don't think when you're playing that sort of basketball, you know, James Harden, completely backpacking the entire offense, having to carry the whole team, you know, putting up just a ridiculous amount of points a game. I don't see that working out for them in playoffs. He has to do what he has to do in order for his team to win championships. I don't think that style is ever going to win championships. But at the same time, you have to keep your team's head above water to win games. So you have to do what you have to do to win games, and he's doing that. So are you saying you don't think James Harden and the Rockets, as constructed, can win a title? Not with this style of play, it won't win. Right, with one player dominating the ball. Because, listen, if you take one player, you put him at the top of the key, or you put him on the wing, and you're running screen rolls, you're always in front of the defense. Mm-hmm. The defense can key on that, mm-hmm. particularly in the playoffs. And that's easy, easy to defend. Yeah. It's easy to defend. Now, what he's doing is absolutely remarkable, though. And I think it's a testament to how remarkable it is because people are now trying to minimize what it is that he's doing. I mean, he's doing some phenomenal stuff, man. 
I'm not saying that Kobe's wrong. I just think it's so ironic. And even James Harden doesn't think he's wrong. James Harden agrees with him, too. Kobe was only able to do, you know, so much. Uh, when he was winning titles, it was him and Shaq. Mm-hmm. You know, he always had that sort of second go-to in those title runs. Uh, James Harden just doesn't really have that. Uh, they made moves recently, but, you know, James Harden is hes just a one-man wrecking crew out there. And, you know, they, uh, it's, it's going to be interesting to see how far he can pull it. I have a crazy amount of respect for him as an offensive player, you know. He's even improved quite a lot on his defense over the past few years. That was always everyone's gripe against him, you know, just his absolute lack of defense. But... You know, he's been turning into more and more of a two-way player, you know, not to the level of these other superstars like Paul George who are absolutely dominant on both ends. But what James Harden is doing on offense right now is just completely remarkable, and we haven't seen that since Kobe, you know, was doing it and putting up these ridiculous numbers. But, you know, like Kobe said, it's uh, that can only get you so far. Uh, you know, it'll get them a good seed into playoffs, but I don't see it carrying them too far into playoffs. It's remarkable what Harden is doing, and it's really fun to watch, but I don't think that there's anybody who thinks the Rockets are serious contenders right now. How about MVP, though? Giannis and Harden pretty much seems to be kind of a two-man race for it, but does Paul George have any shot at winning the MVP? I feel like he does. Um, I feel like he may not be getting enough credit uh, that he deserves. Uh, Like I said, he's an absolutely outstanding two-way player. He's been, you know, putting up many, many games, putting up over 30 points, getting boards, getting defensive stops, getting assists, you know. Being one of those players that, you know, every team wants, uh, doing all the little things, and, you know, I feel like that gives them a good run for MVP. Uh, They're doing well. Uh, If they keep doing well, I feel like the higher they can get in terms of seeding, the better chance Paul George has of winning uh, MVP. I feel like Giannis and Harden are the front runners, but you definitely can't uh, can't forget about Paul George. He's always going to be in the question, as long as he keeps performing the way he is. This morning, for the first time, I heard Nikola Jokic mentioned in the MVP conversation. That would be a joke in itself. I mean, it's remarkable what Denver's done this year and how they've gotten back to the top of the Western Conference, but Jokic is not going to win the MVP this year. No. I I do not ever see that happening. Um, great player, absolute stud, mm-hmm. uh, but not not MVP uh, caliber player. It's the Nuggets are a case where it's an absolute team effort. Uh, he's doing great things for the team, uh, but he's also got many many other pieces uh, bringing them these victories. He's not you know a James Harden or you know Russell Westbrook or Paul George who are the absolute front runners on their team. Yes, he's doing great things. Yes, he's the best player on their team, I'd say, but not in terms of, you know, being an MVP candidate. They got thumped by the Pistons last night. 129-103. Detroit found a working formula. One of my roommates is a huge Pistons fan. Uh, As much as I tell him he shouldn't be, uh, that one honestly really surprises me. Uh, Pistons have been having a bit of a rough season, you know, made that big Blake Griffin move. Hasn't seemed to be working out. Uh, I know Pistons were making talks uh, looking towards bringing in Mike Conley, mm-hmm. which I think is one of the best moves they could make. You mm-hmm. know, Reggie Jackson, I'm not a huge fan of. No. Uh, just does not mesh well with their team. He's had struggles, you know, with the multiple teams he has been on with just not meshing. And, 
you know, bringing Mike Conley could possibly, you know, help the Pistons keep improving, make a playoff run. I don't know how far they could get into playoffs, but, you know, I think that would be their best bet in terms of really putting some sort of run on. I thought they would at least sneak in as a 7 or 8 seed this year, but they're not taking that step forward that we were all expecting. Yes or no, is Andre Drummond part of the future for Detroit? I know he is for a few years because he's locked in that contract, but long-term, is he part of a successful future with the Pistons? Outside of the contract, I don't think so. Mm -hmm. Uh, They need to hold on to Blake as much as they can. You know, Blake's constantly been changing his game. His ball handling has majorly improved since his day was with the Clippers. Uh, He's becoming, you know, that go-to guy for the Pistons, and they need to bring in pieces around him rather than, you know, holding on to Drummond or Reggie Jackson. Those two are the guys I feel like they need to move first. Uh, they need to get better guards and wings uh, before they look for that second big guy because I feel like Blake can do enough on his own where he can sort of make up for you know a bit of a lackluster uh, second big guy. But uh, you know, Brian, Mike Conley, like I said, I I'm a big fan of Mike Conley as well. I think him and Blake would do well together. I would like to see that. I'd like to see the Pistons do well. You know, being being the uh, home state team. But uh, right now, yeah, I don't, I don't think Drummond's a part of their future as well as, you know, Reggie Jackson's going to be gone soon. They haven't drafted well. They put themselves in a bad spot with the contracts that they've given out. Stanley Johnson, I mean, they thought this is going to be a guy who's going to translate to the NBA. And they're just not hitting on their draft picks right now. Yeah. They got Dwayne Casey as the head coach in the offseason. That was a home run. Absolutely. Not, not going to matter because their front office put them in such a bad spot. Yeah, their their drafting is the b- biggest gripe I have with them. You know, Stanley Johnson, Luke Kennard comes mm-hmm. to comes to mind immediately. Yeah. Uh, my roommate and I have had many late night discussions while watching basketball about the drafting of Luke Kennard and you know, looking at what they passed up to pick up Kennard, I I understand a bad draft pick happening here and there, but Pistons just have a history of making questionable draft picks that just don't pan out, and you would think. Hopefully one will work out for them one day, and it just hasn't yet. So, I mean, that's where it comes to trading, that they're going to have to pick up good guys off of the trade block rather than, you know, looking to the draft to pick up new pieces. We've got the All-Star game coming up. we get to showcase some of the best around the league. Are you a fan of the NBA All-Star game? Um, yes, yeah. Um, people will say, you know, it's not, it's not a great game to watch because it's, you know, no defense and people are just scoring. You know, it's an All-Star game. Let's see what players can do, you know. Yes, defensive players can get voted into the All-Star game, and you'll have those defensive stoppers. But at the end of the day, you're coming to watch big shots, big dunks, awesome plays, you know. Leave, save the defense for regular season, for playoffs. Just let players go out and have fun. And, you know, they do a great job. And with the players we have in the league right now, like Russell Westbrook and Giannis, we're going to see some, you know, amazing athleticism that you're not going to find in many other sports. So... Just, you know, I'm a fan of it. Let the players go and do what they do. Let them have fun, and, you know, it's going to be fun for everyone. Are you with me in the thought process that Rudy Gobert was left out of the All-Star game specifically because they want high offense? I, I'm, I'm very, I wouldn't say very upset, but I really, really would have liked to see Gobert in the All-Star game. I think he's one of the best in the NBA. The problem is he's just good at defense, not yeah. offense, and they want offense there. And, right. I mean, he cried when he was talking about his all-star snub, I like the passion of it. You know, I, 
I like his passion. It shows he cares about something like that. Well, with with the amount of work that these players have to put in, you know, showing that emotion that you know he's upset by the uh, by the snub, I I would feel the exact same way. I think he handled it better than most people would. You know, in the history of snubs, you know, Damian Lillard or Kemba getting snubbed these multiple years, you know, it's never good to see that. And you know, him showing emotion is is a good thing. You know, it it brings back that human element, like you know. Yes, they're these superstar athletes and, like, idols to everyone, but, yeah, they're people, too, just like you and me. And, you know, I think that was a good thing. You know, shame on the people who are, you know, sort of, I don't know if the word is shaming him, but, you know, making light of his emotions, mm-hmm. you know. It's it's a good thing for him to show that emotion because, you know, it's a big deal to players. So, you know, I think he should have got in, but, you know, there's always next year. Thomas Dunstan is in the studio with us. We owe you our last time out. When we come back, where do the Lakers go from here? Do they still keep trying? What are they willing to give up to get Anthony Davis? Next in the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Check out the UP's live and local sports talk show, The Sports Pen. Weekday afternoons at 4 on ESPN-UP and on the ESPN-UP app. The Sports Pen on ESPN-UP. Danner Hoops, Thomas Dunstan with you. Thanks for being with us. Almost wind you down to the 5 o'clock hour. And once again, we've got Westwood Patriot girls basketball this evening here on ESPN-UP. 7 o'clock pregame, 7.15 tip as we take on Iron Mountain. Join myself and Jared for the call. We've got the Lakers and the Pelicans to break down here. Lakers have been willing to sell everything. Sell everybody but LeBron in order to land Anthony Davis because they want to get him a little bit of superstar help. They're getting to the point where they are going to throw in a few more draft picks, the keys to the Staples Center, Kobe's firstborn son. They're they're selling the whole package because they are all in on Anthony Davis. And no matter what kind of offer they keep putting out there, the Pelicans keep rejecting it. They want more, and it's becoming this staring contest. Who's going to blink first? I I think the Lakers need to walk away, you know. With how much the Pelicans are demanding, I I don't think it's a reasonable thing for the Lakers to go for, you know. You need to draw a line with how much you're willing to give up to bring in this star power. And right now, they're gutting their entire future, they're gutting their bench, and, uh, you know, I don't think they want to do that. The whole LeVar Ball and Lonzo Ball thing, I think that takes a backseat to the whole... Uh, you know, Pelicans demanding so much. Pelicans are stating Drew Holiday as their franchise player. Big fan of Drew. I liked him in his Philadelphia days. You know, has been doing well for the Pelicans. Uh, they're looking to build around him. Actually, let me back up a few steps. I don't really know what the Pelicans want, honestly. With, with how much they're asking, they're looking for a lot of rebuilding pieces. But, you know, they're just asking way too much at this point where... It's getting a bit unreasonable for even, you know, I I would be happy if I'm the Pelicans to take, you know, just the players and maybe one draft pick. But now they're demanding, you know, adding another player to the list and adding more draft picks to the list. And Lakers, I, I know they're very desperate to bring in Anthony Davis, but, you know, I just don't think that this is a good idea for them. Uh I'm no expert, but uh, I think it would be a bad move to give up that much for Anthony Davis. Granted, Anthony Davis is one of those sort of generational players who is just one of the best big men in the league, if not the best. But uh, just thinking about the amount you have to give up to bring him in is just, it's it's gotten to a ridiculous point, honestly. 
there are four teams that he says he would sign long-term with. It used to be only the Lakers. Now it's the Lakers, the Clippers, the Knicks, and the Bucks. Kind of interesting the Knicks are on that list. I feel like the Knicks are on that list because the Knicks are going to be so all-in on bringing in Kevin Durant uh, next season. So Plus Zion. Yeah. Yeah, uh, assuming they get, you know, the number one pick in Zion. They will. If he is the number one pick, you know, assuming that happens, then, you know, Kevin Durant is, you know, the the idea is right now that he's going to go there. Uh, That would be the case for Anthony Davis to go there. He wants to go, you know, try to sort of rebuild New York. I've never been much of a Knicks fan myself, so I would not like, I would like to see him go to the Bucks, honestly, though... I feel like that is the most unrealistic of teams for him to go to, just with uh, you know the contracts and the cap issues that the Bucks have right now for bringing in someone like Anthony Davis. I don't see that happening. I would love to see Anthony Davis and Giannis together, potentially the most athletic front court of you know any team in the NBA right now. But uh, yeah, I don't see that one happening. Unfortunately, the Knicks could be a good thing for him, but. Uh, you know, it's it's still so up in the air. I'm I'm really not sure where this one's gonna land. It's kind of like the Kawhi situation from last season. Uh, I did not expect him to end up in Toronto. They were just sort of this last minute th- team that jumped in and picked him up. And uh, it could be that case for Anthony Davis, or you know, either the Pelicans or Lakers can fold and finally come to some sort of agreement. But uh, I think the Bucks are the only of those teams that are out of the question right now. The Lakers' latest offer is taking Anthony Davis along with Solomon Hill just for cap space relief in exchange for Lonzo Ball, Kyle Kuzma, Rajon Rondo, Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, Brandon Ingram, and two first-round picks. That is the latest offer from the Lakers, and the Pelicans look them dead in the eye and say, no, we want four first-rounders. I mean, where does it end if you're New Orleans? Because they're sold on the thought that once they get rid of Anthony Davis, they're done. I mean, Drew Holiday's a great player, but he's not a franchise NBA player, and they know it. They know it, so they're doing their darndest to set themselves up to be good again in the future, even though they know they're going to take their lumps here over the next few years. Yeah, it'll be a 100% rebuild once they get rid of Anthony Davis, and uh, what I don't understand about the latest talks is... Players like Lance Stevenson, Michael Beasley, and Rajon Rondo, you know, old, getting old, um, far past their primes mostly. Rondo is not back to the form that he was in Boston. Uh, Lance Stevenson's been in a bit of a, a funk ever since his Pacer days. Uh, he's never been back to, you know, that sort of Paul George, Lance Stevenson, Roy Hibbert uh, playoff run that they were at. And then Michael Beasley is just a completely different story on his own. It's good that they're looking to pick up Lonzo and uh, Kyle Kuzma and Brandon Ingram, but I think they need to cut out the three, you know, older players, look for maybe bringing in one more younger guy, uh, and then, you know, the ridiculous amount of draft picks I don't think will ever work. Uh, Four is just an absolute crazy amount to ask for. Two, two's still kind of pushing it with the amount of players that they're looking to bring in. But, uh, you know, maybe cut down on uh, on a couple of the players they're asking for. Maybe two, maybe three if the Lakers are feeling really crazy in terms of draft picks. But uh, they're, they're just asking a ridiculous amount at this point. And it's leaving me questioning, what, like, what their real motives are. I don't know that they're going to get a better offer 
from anybody else, to be honest with you. I mean, I know Rondo's not what he used to be, but if you're the Pelicans, I'd want him on my team. I mean, he's better than most of your roster right now. Yeah. I'm not high on Brandon Ingram. I'm just not at all. But take him anyway. You know, why not? Maybe there's something that you can build from there. You think that Magic Johnson and John Gruden are friends? Four first-round picks for a superstar? It'd be like the Khalil Mack equivalent of the NBA if this went down. I think the biggest steal out of this trade, the thing that the Pelicans should be looking forward to if they were to take this trade would be Kyle Kuzma. I feel like of the Lakers players offering, he has by far the highest upside. Brennan Ingram... Uh, was hyped up to have a good upside, but this season's come out a bit flat. Uh, Lonzo Ball, uh, taking him, I'm sure they would move him immediately due to not wanting to have to deal with LeVar Ball, mm-hmm. which I would not blame him at all with the whole uh, Lonzo wants to play for Phoenix. I don't think Phoenix would take him in. I don't really know. Um, he he could stay a Laker for life for all I care, uh, leave him over there and not have to deal with LeVar, but... Uh, you know, Kyle Kuzma is he could work develop to be a franchise player for them. Uh with so many pieces that they'd be getting, they can figure it out, but you know, they they just need to finally figure it out and take an offer so I can stop seeing about this, honestly. As much as I like Anthony Davis, seeing his name every single day in in the front running of all NBA news is just getting a bit stale to me. Lavar Ball is back. He is back. He comes out and says Phoenix rather than New Orleans. He said, we want to stay in L.A. We. He is the epitome of the vicarious living parent with their child athlete. We want to stay in L.A., but if he is traded, we want him to go to Phoenix rather than New Orleans. Does that surprise you a little bit? I wonder why Phoenix is on anybody's radar. Like, wouldn't you want to go somewhere you can, I don't know, win? Yeah, that uh, that one does really surprise me. Um, Phoenix is the most unlikely team. I feel like you would demand uh, demand you know moving to, but I don't feel like Lonzo or Laval per se because they are sort of one entity when it comes to trading at this point. I don't think they are in any position performance wise as a player no. to be demanding where they should go. No, uh, no team. I feel like will give him the respect that he thinks he deserves, or, well, that LeVar thinks he deserves. Yeah. Lonzo's always been sort of soft-spoken, and, you know, he he seems like a good guy. He is nowhere near the personality level of LeVar. Uh, LeVar's just making all these demands. Could Lonzo be behind it? I don't think so. But, uh, yeah, I, I don't see him being able to demand where he goes or any team respecting his requests of where he goes. Because he's, he's not going to come in and be a franchise player. He just hasn't performed to that level. Sure, he's a, he's a good maybe role player, uh, maybe a sixth man. But even in terms of just being a starting point guard, he hasn't been performing to that level. I'm not even sure he was worthy of being the number two pick overall. They were pressured into taking him at that spot. It was probably a first-rounder, but the number two overall, I know hindsight is twenty twenty. but you think about that draft, Lonzo Ball taken before Jason Tatum and Markel Fultz before both of them. Yeah, that. What, looking back at that draft, that is one of the biggest head-scratches for those two first picks. Markel Fultz looked great, completely forgot how to shoot. That went downhill for Philadelphia. Lonzo Ball, I'm assuming they thought they could fix his shot for him, uh, make him more consistent, and that didn't end up working out. But, you know, as those two going number one and two, if you redid that draft, I can see them going, like, you know, between 10th and 15th, maybe even close to the 20s. 
Thomas Dunstan is in the studio with us. We are out of time. Appreciate you as always, my man. Look forward to having you on again here soon. Sounds good. Yep, I'm always willing. You can always just shoot me a text. You know, I'll be in the studio tonight for the game. We'll be doing basketball yet again tonight. Uh, looking to add some high school action tonight, so that's always going to be exciting. 7 p.m. pregame, 7.15 tip on ESPN-UP. For Thomas Dunstan, I'm Tanner Hoops. Thanks for listening to the Sports Pen on ESPN-UP, WZAM, Ishpeming Marquette.